0: If you have your Bibles, could you take them and turn to Colossians chapter 3? And actually we'll be looking at uh, the previous chapters as well. But Colossians, I think it's around page 680 if you picked up one of the Bibles in the back. So I've been reading a lot lately about a growing number of people who are identifying themselves not as Christian and not necessarily even as religious, but when asked, like, how do you define your beliefs? They, they begin to identify themselves as, as spiritual, not Christian, not necessarily religious, not, not, not necessarily connected to uh, a set of beliefs or uh, uh, sacred writings, but spiritual. And by that, they don't necessarily mean like the Holy Spirit revealed in Scripture Often, what that means, and maybe you 're familiar with this, maybe this is where you are you, you feel things very deeply, and you reflect and you try to be more mindful and aware of what 's going on or or perhaps you you trust your instincts, you trust your gut, or you you feel connected to something bigger than you are and and for that, that, that kind of defines who you are It, it certainly is uh, defining a large number of people often this kind of idea of being spiritual, not religious, not Christian, begins to morph and adapt. It often looks a lot like whatever we're feeling in the moment. But interestingly enough, like with, with all the emphasis on spirituality, Jesus is often detached from that. I mean, he might come in a side door as, yeah, one more voice to listen to, but often what's not emphasized in that is Jesus. So as I hear about that, often it's portrayed, certainly in religious things that I'm reading, or even uh, secular news stories that I'm reading, as kind of a new trend, a new trend or a new movement. But yet, as I as I read through the Bible, particularly as I read through the Book of Colossians, you recognize that that spiritual but not totally Christian is actually nothing new. So Paul knew of this kind of person that was spiritual but not necessarily Christian. He knew of a whole city where that. That kind of idea, a whole culture where that idea was taking root. And particularly, he wrote to the, to the Colossian believers about that. And so the, the question might be like, so what is the difference between spiritual and, and being a Christian? What is the difference between those two things? And it, it all comes down to this. Spirituality doesn't really offer a personal relationship. And when we read God's word, what's offered to us is a personal relationship with Jesus. See, there's this person who's the center of the universe. And hopefully you've lived long enough to discover it's not you. There's this person who's the center of the universe and it's Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Colossians 1 says it this way in verse 18. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything, Jesus might be preeminent. He might be supreme. He might have the supremacy. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So Paul's saying this is different than just vague spirituality. This is, this is personal. There's a person named Jesus. And, and notice that he lived as a human identifying with us. And then he gave his life sacrificially for us so so even in verse 20 it says that through Jesus he reconciled to himself god reconciled to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of jesus cross it's not spirituality in a vague general sense but it's a person it's a person who's alive so much so that in verse 21 it's you who once were were alienated and far from God, hostile in mind, doing things you're not proud of, doing evil things. He's now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order. And, and there's a trajectory here in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So the idea is that Jesus is alive and he's working in us and working for us and working on us. So, The question that we face is like, why would we ever settle for just a vague notion of being spiritual, being connected to something bigger than we are? Why would we settle for that when actually what Paul says is there's a person? And it's not vague. His name is Jesus. If you turn over a couple pages into Colossians 3, Colossians 3 1 says this If then you have been raised with Christ, Seek things that are above. Because that person, Jesus Christ, that's where he is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Because you've died. But your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When you read verse 4, when Christ, who is your life... it brings to mind like relationships and maybe kind of the, the puppy love or the infatuation that you have when you're, when you 're in adolescence or, or kind of moving into high school and, and you have that person that that 's like all you can think about and, and you would say if, if, if they like you, everything's wonderful, and if they don 't like you everything 's miserable and, and there's that, that, that feeling of this person 's my life, my whole world hangs on this person whether they, whether they think i 'm important whether they pay me attention or not and which you come to realize is like you can't place your hope on any individual like that you'll be disappointed a thousand times over but then verse 4 says no but there is one person who can handle being your life and that's Jesus Christ and Christ who is your life appears what an incredible truth God gives us more than like general concepts and ideas, a vague connection to something bigger. He actually gives us himself personally in Jesus. You know, a relationship with a person is so much better, and it drives things that are better. So so spirituality, kind of a, a sense, it it'll tell you like, well, the truth lies within you. And if you just kind of put yourself in the right place in the right position and you trust your gut. Everything will work out. You'll have some sort of inner peace. But I found sometimes it doesn't work like that, especially because inside, I I can't always trust what's going on inside because inside sometimes is horribly broken. And then what do you do if you feel guilt inside? I mean, how can you get over that? You actually don't need to look inside. You almost have to look outside of yourself and say, where is their help? Where is their guidance? Where can I find hope and help? when you feel guilt or you feel ashamed of yourself, you need something outside of you and see what scripture says as Jesus does this, he begins a lifelong work of reshaping you. Not minimizing anything that is wrong but in giving you power to live a different life. Look at Colossians 3 and verse 5. Let's just read carefully here. So, in light of Christ being our life, put to death... What is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of those, the wrath of God is coming. And in these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger and wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And it put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And here then it's not Greek or Jews, circumcised, or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. What strikes me as I read these verses, so like tells us there are things we're supposed to put to death and there's things we're supposed to put away, but it It doesn't have the sound of like, here's a bunch of rules you need to follow. Actually, it's different than that. Did you notice? The the scripture says, you're renewed in knowledge after the image of your creator. So, what Jesus is doing is not saying, here's how you follow me, keep this list of rules. He's saying, as you follow me, you're going to be renewed. You're going to look more and more like me. It says, the put away, put to death, like sexual immorality sexual immorality, which has a way of promising a lot, but ultimately leaves us, like, never completely satisfied, and and often feeling guilty and empty, like, was that, was that worth it? He says, put to death, there's something better, because Jesus can actually renew sexually broken people. He says, the put-to-death covetousness, that default setting we all have where we where we want other people's stuff and we're glad if they don't have it and we do and he says put that to death. Why? Because you're following some rule? No, because Jesus is enough. He's better than anything you could want. Put away anger and wrath. Take those things off because that's the response of life not going the way you want but God isn't absent from that. He's right in the middle of that. Put away anything like idolatry. Put away that that substance that you're counting on like if I, if I can have that your substance of choice that kind of just helps you through the day kind of makes life less painful and hold on to not just some vague notion of spirituality but a person Jesus Christ deep down we know that we know we know we need that kind of help so why would we settle for some concept of being connected to something bigger than ourselves, why would we settle for that when Jesus makes a promise that he'll come in and renew us? And there's something about spirituality too that often it turns inward. Our spirituality, we, we, we try to like be more self-aware and we try to be more mindful and, and often the focus can come inside but when we have Jesus inside of us, he actually turns our gaze out, doesn't he? He works on us inside, but then he turns us out. And that's really what verse 12 is all about. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. So I might be terribly spiritual, but not necessarily be very patient with anybody or very meek or very humble But when Jesus comes, look at verse 13, we bear with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, we forgive each other. Why? Because it's more healthy to to forgive than to be bitter? No, actually, what does verse 13 say? It's because as the Lord has forgiven you, you can forgive. So there's things we put to death, there's things that we put off, and there's things we put on. and, And even look at verse 15. And everybody wants peace. So it says in verse 15, let the peace, but it's not a vague peace. Where does the peace come from? It's the peace of a person, the Messiah, the Christ. It's the peace of Jesus. Let that be so prevalent in your life. The peace of Christ govern or rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. So we've, we've walked through this. I mean, this is the idea of all of Colossians is not just vague spirituality, but there's something better, and that's a person, Jesus. And so then a question that I think I would want answered is, how can I have a fuller appreciation of Jesus? How can I be more connected to Jesus? Is there a source of access to Jesus? Is there a place where I can gain knowledge of Jesus? Are there pathways where I could grow closer to Jesus, if all this is wrapped up in him, it's really not about following a set of rules or a vague set of concepts. If it's all about a person, then how can I know more about this person? I want to answer those questions, but even as we looked at the, the scripture last week, we realized Jesus laid this foundation for us. It's a firm foundation. We can go to God's word and it's trustworthy. It speaks the truth. But I want us to notice what Paul says here today about that trustworthy word. Because you see, foundations are important, but foundations are meant to build something on. Like something exists on top of those. You you utilize a foundation. It it supports a a structure where you live in. So notice Colossians 3.16. That's really where I want to camp out this morning. Colossians three sixteen says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness to your heart, in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him." You look at verse 16 again, look closely. It begins Let the word, the message, Greek Greek word is logos, let that word of Christ, the word that certainly is about Christ, the word that Christ speaks, the gospel word, the good news about Christ, let the word of Christ, let the whole Bible, which is pointing either backward or forward to Jesus, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwell in you. A, a really good paraphrase of that would be, let the word, the message of Christ, let it make itself at home in your life. Let it just make itself at home. So you've got, got a category, right, for the person that comes in and they're a family member or a guest and they come and they're going to stay with you a few days and, and you tell them, hey... Make yourself at home. And what are you you communicating by that? What are you telling them when you say make yourself at home? Well, you're telling them several things. You're telling them you don't have to ask for permission. This house is your house. You don't have to ask for permission. It it means you you don't have to ask. You you have access. Just go go where you want to go. At my own house, I I don't have to ask for permission if I if I'm if I'm hungry, if I want to raid the pantry, get some ice cream, I, I do it. If I need to use the restroom, I go. If, if I'm ready for bed, I go to bed. I don't ask for permission. I'm not weighing the circumstances of like, should I, should I do this? Would this be a nice guess? When you tell someone to make themselves at home, you want them to, to have access. You want them to feel permission. You want them to have a relaxed attitude if If they need to work on something, work on it. If you need to, if you want to read, read. Do whatever you want to do. Can we use our imagination to say, what would it look like? Kind of in a figurative sense, what would it look like if God's word made itself at home in our lives? What would that look like if God's word was the guest you invited in and said, wherever you want to go? You want to go toward my values and my priorities, my attitude, my thoughts, my worldview, make yourself at home. Lord, your word can go any place in my life. What would that look like? I really think Paul meant for this to apply to our lives in a couple ways, and that's really what I want, to, want us to think through is, what does it look like, first of all, for the word to make itself at home individually? Which, once again, remember, this is the message of Jesus Christ. This is his personal word. What does it look like if God's word makes itself at home individually in your life? It has to start here. It has to start with reading and listening to God's word. It's it's hard for me to imagine any way we could rightfully say, yeah, God's word is at home in my life if we're, we're never taking it in. And, and I write listening because I know sometimes maybe reading is a challenge or maybe you, you're a better uh, oral learner, so you listen better than you read. And so uh, with, with the access we have to Scripture today, and there's so many places, I'll, I'll share a few with you in a moment where you can listen to God's words, but listen to this from uh, another pastor. He says, at the end of the day, there is simply no replacement for finding a regular time and place, blocking out distractions, putting your nose in the text, and letting your mind and heart be led and captured and thrilled by God Himself communicating to us in His objective written words. Uh, some of you I know well, some of you I don't know too well, but can I ask, what would it look like for God's Word to make itself at home in your life individually? I think it would be this you're reading and listening to God's word. I don't think it stops there, though. I think it'll also push on to to meditating. So this is where it's like, really, it's not just information processing, but it's actually getting into our hearts and our minds and a part of us. So one person says that that meditating, Don Whitney says, it's deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in scripture for the purposes of understanding and application and prayer. The word in scripture is often like chewing on something. You're just working on it in your mind. Can I give you another idea of what this means? so David Mathis says, God designed us with the capacity to pause and to ponder. And it is a distinctly human trait to stop and consider, to chew on something with the teeth of our minds, to to roll some reality around in our thoughts, to press it deeply into our feelings, to look from different angles and seek to get a better sense of its significance. And the biblical name for this art is meditation. So do you read and listen to God's word? Do you meditate on God's word? And then, you know, can I, can I press one step further? Do you, do you memorize God's word? So this is, once again, this may sound like really old school. And I I think it's really old school. And I think Christians have gone to these pathways again and again and found them to be ways of feeding their soul and and feeding their their spiritual life. And we depart from these ways and and we get off track. You know, as I was thinking about memorizing, like taking scripture and, and hiding it in our hearts and taking it to heart, I was really frankly convicted because I realized I did so much more of that as a kid, which is a great time to memorize. But like, when is it a bad time to stop memorizing Scripture? So let's say my memory is not working like it used to, and it's not. But let's say I memorize a verse, I chew on it for a week, and let's say I retain it for two months. Those two months will be better for having done that. I convicted and, and really motivated Motivated to hide God's word in my heart. These are the avenues of God's grace. So, I think about that. I, I think about reading and listening, and I think about meditating, and I think about memorizing. And so, here's here's what I guess. That there's probably at least at least three categories of people in the room when it comes to those things that I think are just pathways of grace. I think one category would be the people that have regular rhythms of reading or listening and meditating and memorizing to which I say god bless you i mean you could get up you could get up here and share how god has strengthened you because you've had these regular rhythms they've just become part of your life and there are others of us that would say actually they're not regular rhythms they're irregular rhythms and so there's that that category where you know you've you've tried and and then you've not done so well and you've tried and you've not done so well. I don't really want to appeal to you on the basis of like, Let, let's just be more disciplined. Actually, what I'd like to appeal to you is say, this is Jesus Christ speaking. This is the one you want to be connected to. This is the, this is the way to understand him better, to have guidance on how to live and to see how you should treat others. This is the, this is the thing that promises to save your soul have irregular rhythms on this, I want to encourage you to m- let God have his word make itself at home in your life. A, a righteous man may fall seven times but gets up again so there, there are those who have regular rhythms and then there are those who have irregular rhythms, and then there's then there's those that have no rhythm right so that may be that may be you that may be you've, you you Maybe you even grew up in a place where, like, you heard Scripture read, like maybe the gospel reading and then the Old Testament reading and New Testament reading, but what you never were instructed to do is read it for yourself. And, and, and I don't want you to feel any guilt in that. Actually, I, I want to speak to you because I, I've prayed for you and prayed that God would be at work in your life. And Maybe you just never had a place where God's word has made itself at home in your life. And, and I want to encourage you. It, it, it's a hard issue and God will, God will give you grace and give you motivation here. And I, I actually want to be as practical as possible. So can I share with you, can I kind of pull out of sermon mode and just as a pastor, I want, I want to pour out my heart to you and say, if you have no rhythms, I want to share with you just... Uh, maybe a place where you can find some of those rhythms. I was reading a few years back about uh, an app and a website you could go to that was uh, a couch to 5K, right? And that meant, like, you're eating potato chips on the couch, which I can identify. But you realize, like, I need to be exercising. And you want to run three miles, 5K. So how are you going to do that? And there was just week-by-week week steps where you could do that. They're like, what if, what if we had that? What if we, what if you could go from like zero Bible reading? And if you take some, it's, it's going to take time. It's going to take time reading and meditating. It's going to take a portion of your week. But what if you gave some time to that? And so you see up there, if you're, if you consider yourself a Bible rookie, and that's not a derogatory term, that's just maybe where you are. We all started somewhere. Maybe you consider yourself that and you want to go, I I want to go from just a rookie and having barely scratched the surface and I want to be in a regular rhythm of reading. There's a plan I'd like to give you. It Starts off with about 10 minutes of Bible reading and goes to about 25 minutes of Bible reading by week number eight. It's kind of incrementally growing. You're reading more. You're chewing on it more. By then you're meditating on some scripture and there's some clipboards in the back where you could sign up. There's a place online you can sign up. My heart in this is really to eliminate excuses and say, well, I don't know where I'd start. Well, I feel like it's kind of my job as a pastor to, if you have that question, I feel like I can answer that question. I want to give you some other resources. So once again, feel free to sign up for that. Some other resources, it may be that you see the version app, so I have that on my phone. You see the ESV app, which is the Bible, the translation I use Both of those are great apps. It's amazing, like God's word in your pocket. And so instead of like scanning the news or checking Facebook, you could actually dive into God's word, work on a memory verse when when your mind may be tempted to wander. I I can think of a lot worse things to do, right? You go to bible.com or esvbible.org. Thefighterverses.com, it's a whole plan of scripture memory just given to you for free. Starts off kind of small size And maybe you work on that verse for a month And you finally get it It, it, It'll feed your soul Then back at the book table I mean there's several different places Different resources there Jot any of those down Like I don't think I get a commission on any of those Right I'm not trying to sell you anything Well my heart is The word of Christ I'd love for it to Make itself at home in our church family David Mathis has said this if you feel uncomfortable in the scriptures, inadequate in the art of Bible reading. The single most important thing you can do is make a regular habit of reading the Bible for yourself. No substitute for a few focused minutes each day in the text. You may be surprised just how much the little bits add up over the long haul. So, so hear me. So I think God's word ought to dwell in us individually, but... Like Colossians 3.16 doesn't stop there. It actually pushes further. So I, I want us to think about how would, how would God's word make itself at home in our whole church? So not just individually, although it, it ought to there. What about our whole church? And then you go back to this and, in verse 16. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And here's where it goes as a, as a family, right? Kind of corporate, not just individual. This is where it goes for us together. You teach and admonish one another. And you do so with, with wisdom. So notice that. So you teach and you admonish one another. So that means I take what God is teaching me. What this assumes is that no one knows everything. It's a safe assumption. What this assumes by admonishing is that we will not always walk the correct path. We will need help in course correction. And so here we have God saying, let's let the word soak in us so that we have something to teach and admonish and so that we don't walk alone and let's do that with all wisdom. Good common sense. If your life isn't marked by interactions with other Christians in that, I'm not sure the word of God is dwelling in you as richly as it could be. I can think of a couple applications as far as a church family, one of those would be make a priority of our worship service. Make a priority of our worship service. It's kind of the, the buffet that we have of singing, like we're letting the word come into us as we sing, and that's exactly what it says. And There's psalms and there's hymns and there's spiritual songs and a whole variety of music that we sing. And we hear the word Read and we hear it taught and we pray. And I, I think that's that's the starting point for us as a church family. But I, I want to push uh, several of you to go even one step further, and that's to find another space, another environment. You know, I call it, it maybe a smaller group. So that that's not like this large group, but a, a smaller group. And that may be a Sunday Bible study. It may be a women's Bible study. It may be a small group meets off campus. It may be a uh, uh, a band of brothers or a band of sisters where there's, where there's fellowship and there's maybe that even gets smaller where it's one or two people and accountability and friendship is formed but all of those things are taking God's word and letting it soak in us question church what what if the word of Jesus Christ made itself at home at Ogletown what would that look like over the next 18 months What would that look like in your life? What would that look like in our church? What if the word was just soaking in us so much that we were humble and we were compassionate so someone comes in to this family and let's say they come from a very dysfunctional environment and we meet them with love because God's word has been soaking in our lives. What if we are dwelt in by God's word richly so we become patient we're hospitable that family that just moved or that will move that will google a church close to their home and they'll come in here not knowing anybody what would it mean if they walked into an environment where God's word wasn't just like an academic head exercise but it was actually dwelling in us and it's the word of Jesus. And everywhere they looked, they saw Jesus Christ. What difference could that make? What if? I said, God, make it so. God, make it so. Let me close this in prayer. Lord, we are hungry for your word. And uh, forgive us where we're not hungry enough. Where our hearts spend been more interested in a thousand other things and we've just not made this a priority pray for your word to soak into our lives I don't ask that anybody feel guilty and here what I do ask them ask Lord is that you would help us see the deficit we run the silly trade-offs we make when we don't prioritize time in your word prioritize time with your people Father, may the efforts of like having your word dwell in us richly, may those efforts, those good intentions be more than just good intentions today. I pray for for dozens of people, maybe for hundreds of people, they would be converted into not just good intentions but reality And, and the fruit of that would be seen in cubicles and in classrooms and in dorms and in a thousand places that need your grace. Lord, we ask for your help. We pray that you would make it so. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.